Thanks for tuning in to the Hooks Baseball Podcast. I am Michael Coffin, a proud member of your Hooks broadcast team. We have created this broadcast, this podcast, for a few different reasons. First and foremost, to get as much information out to the public as possible with regards to the Hooks and our community during the COVID-19 crisis. And, uh, and naturally, we'll also talk a lot of baseball to provide a much-needed distraction while games are on the back burner and uh, everyone is socially distancing. As for episode one, we have a great lineup of guests for you. New Hooks manager Gregorio Petit will join us along with uh, Brian McTaggart from MLB.com. He'll provide an update on the big league club, the reigning AL champs, Houston Astros. Uh, Also, Dr. Leslie Mills will be with us. She is director of career services for Texas A&M Corpus Christi and will help us tell the story of the pandemic's impact on employment in the Coastal Bend. And president of the Oneta Company, Julia Cook-Kriegel, talks about her crew's efforts to keep Corpus Christi stocked with bottled water. But leading things off is a man who is always hydrated, Mr. J.D. Davis, a good friend of mine, director of marketing for The Hooks. Uh, J.D., good day to you, sir. Hey, good day to you. I'm happy to be on the on the podcast. Am I the first first guest, the first person this to speak is on the, the podcast? Uh, you are the, the first person to, uh, well, the wow. second person to speak on the podcast. So That's, Put that down in the history. Whenever the Wikipedia page is written for the podcast, I hope that I get a little shout out there as the uh, first person that's not named Michael Coffin on the show. Sure. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure how much of an honor it is, but uh, but yeah, this is, a, it's a, this is a cool thing that we're doing. Obviously, unfortunate circumstances uh, with baseball games uh, not being played and really our lives uh, shut down at the moment. And, you know, it's odd that you and I are, are, are speaking remotely because literally our houses uh, are, what, like a mile and a half from each other on the same right. street? For sure. I think when the podcast is over, if I listen to the full thing, I'll be able to get to your house before before the podcast is over if I just want to go for a nice walk in the neighborhood. So <laughs> Exactly it's not, right. It's, it's nice. We need to get the families, you know, maybe we'll do a social distance walk together and, and uh, check out the neighborhood later on. That's a that's a that's a good thing. And, and that's kind of one of the reasons why we're doing the podcast as well. Just trying to uh, to get some information out there to folks, uh, try and talk to as many people as we can, because this is this is new for all of us. This this social distancing. It is. It's it's going to take some time to get used to it and figure out exactly, you know, what's real. There's been times where I'm like, oh, I want to I need to go do this or I need to take care of this. And I have to remind myself like, oh, no, like you don't go there right now. You know, it's like just H-E-B and back is basically my entire life at, at this point. So um, definitely taking some getting used to, uh, you know, we'll run into to neighbors when we are kind of out and about and, and we're all doing the safe thing of, you know, uh, staying as far away from possible. And, you know, if you have to do the, the elbow bump or something like that to, uh, to say hi and stuff like that. But, um, you know, l- luckily I think at least the people that, that I get to interact with, um, you know, through, through work and stuff like that, we're all trying to keep that positive attitude and um, trying to keep each other uh, positive through the whole thing. I think the fact that we, we kind of look around and say, we're all in this together. It's kind of, even though physically we can't be close, you know, I think emotionally we're bringing everybody together through this, which is kind of nice. It certainly is. And this is a tough day. As you and I record this, this is actually opening day for, for Major League Baseball, or what was opening day for Major League Baseball. Uh, so, so you know, it's a challenging time for us baseball fans and really for the world in general because you have to keep your eye on the ball, and that's the health of your neighbor, which is our, our first priority. And the reason uh, why the Hooks uh, will not start the season on time, it seems like, J.D., there's more that we don't know than what we do know, but we can tell folks that come the, the start of April, we're not going to have Hooks baseball at Whataburger Field. Right. And, you know, we're uh, that's disappointing for us. You know, I think the questions we always get asked in minor league baseball, it's like, well, what do you do in the offseason? And I'm like, we work really, really hard to get, <laughs> to get everything ready for the season. And so, you know, our whole team has been spending the last, uh, I mean, six months just in the offseason, but really longer than that. We start planning a season, you know, sometime around July for the next year. Um, so we've been spending the better part of a year getting ready. And now you have to tell us, oh, nope, you got to you got to hold it back a little bit further. And uh, we're not ready to release it to the rest of the world. So um, that's a bummer. And, um, you know, we're we're going to try to take it and make the best of it and see what we can do. Hopefully it's sooner rather than later. We're already you know, talking about schedules 
we've already put together multiple contingency schedules for, you know, what happens if we can start by this date? What happens if we can start by that date? Uh, what do we do to move things around? What do we do to make sure that we still offer a ton of fun at Whataburger Field this summer? And so um, we're working really, really hard to get all that stuff ready. So that way, as soon as we know that we can uh, have people back at the ballpark and that we can play baseball, that we have everything put into place and we can release it out to the public. Mike Coffin and J.D. Davis here with you on the Hooks uh, Baseball uh, Podcast. You mentioned schedules, and, and if, if folks have already purchased uh, single-game tickets uh, because of a particular promotion, let's say uh, the, the faux batting practice pullover from Flint Hills Resources uh, in uh, early April, uh, is that is that promotion gone? I mean, what are some of the things that, that we're doing to make sure that we get all of those giveaway items still in the in the, the queue for when games do resume? Absolutely. So so right now the plan is to move as many of those uh, early season giveaways to later parts of the year to different dates um, that we can kind of uh, push those around and, and make those fit into the schedule and, and shuffle some stuff around. Uh, we don't want to release anything yet because we just know it's it could it could change in a week. It could change in a couple of weeks. And so right now I would just say, you know, sit tight on those tickets. You're going to be able to exchange those for another hooks game. Um, we're going to make sure that you get taken care of if you're you know, if you've bought tickets for a specific promotion or a specific night um, you know we want you to be able to exchange that ticket for another game in the future we don't want to hand do those those changes yet just because we don't know what the schedule is exactly going to look like so we'd ask that you sit tight on that and then um, if you do have questions don't hesitate to reach out to us you know you can always call 361-561-HOOK and, and leave a message one of our sales reps even though we are working from home our entire sales team is working from home making phone calls and keeping our fans informed so if you have questions you can call us there you can also uh, log online find uh, find your account executive if you're a season member um, shoot them an email they'd be happy to answer any questions for you and, and keep you informed and we want to keep that information flowing as much as possible so uh, hopefully we can get those questions answered and what what thing that, that really jumps out to me is the hooks ticket representatives have reached out to everyone who, who have already purchased uh, tickets for the first uh, few months of the season it's incredible the the outreach that's already taken place Absolutely. You know, they're they're doing an awesome job to keep the fans informed. And it's one of those times where um, it's been it's been great working with the office, having everybody pull together and do different things. You know, um, I, I was doing a, a similar podcast interview a couple of days ago and he was uh, kind of applauding some of the social media things that we've done. And he's like, well, who gets credit? Like, who's, you know, who's the the mastermind behind that? I'm like, well, there's not really any, you know, there's no one person. Uh, we have a meeting every morning on the marketing team going over what we want to do. But the sponsorship team is giving us ideas. Our sales team is giving us ideas. The operations team, um, everybody is pitching in and we're all kind of pulling in, in uh, making sure we're pulling the same direction and getting stuff done. So, um, you know, it just goes back to we're all in this together and we're all, you know, trying to find the right solution and the right way to help each other out in this. And um, it's really been a good, you know, good team building uh, opportunity if you want to put a silver lining on it. Well, and, and I'm, I'm always amazed. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised at this point, but when you talk about everyone pitching in and it, it seems like, you know, the Coastal Bend's all on, on one page here. And we have so many of our partners, other community leaders uh, that are doing a lot of great work to get information out there and, and make sure that, that people are in the best possible situation to, uh, to mitigate all the different risks involved with the new coronavirus. And uh, it's a testament to the community that we live in. It, it really is a, a cool sight to see. The thing that I would, I would stress to, to everybody, I think right now we're, we're still, some of us are in this mode where it's like, okay, like I just want to get past like this, you know, certain date and everything will be back to normal. Um, but know that I think we have to kind of start as a community, start thinking about, okay, like what is long-term, what is this going to look like? Um, what kind of effects is this going to, going to keep on? Um, and how do we, how do we make sure that, we're setting ourselves up for that long-term success. You know, um, when we're talking, you know, if, if we're not able to play games through all of April, um, you know, that's, that's us not being able to have people at the ballpark for a, a full another month and, and plus. And so, um, we, we have to already, we're already kind of putting things into place if it's, you know, longer than that or whatever the stretch is to where we're getting our minds wrapped around the, yeah, like this could take a little bit longer than we want it to, but because of that, we're we're building ourselves, getting ready for it, so that that it's not a constant battle, you know, not be prepared for it. Sure, you have to be proactive, and uh, I think it's important now for all the people who are frustrated about, you know, having uh, small businesses closed, having your your life disrupted. Uh, what you do now is going to dictate your lifestyle a month or two months down the road, 
And uh, you, we just cannot stress that enough upon people that, that you have to take action now and, and you really have to be aggressive now in terms of socially distancing. You have to make sure to to keep your mind right through this whole this whole thing. You know, I, I can get into unhealthy habits of of checking in on things that I don't need to check in on. And really, I could if I trust my my local leaders. You know, you, we trust the people here in Corpus Christi, our our mayor and uh, Judge Barbara Canales, who who put out the you know stay at home proclamation just this week and and things like that. And knowing that that they're getting all the information, relaying that to us, um, but then hopefully. You have places like the Hooks, or you have, you know, your your Netflix. You have the Astros. You have other things where you can get that that other positive stuff that's not going to weigh down on your mind the same way that that kind of bad information does. And, and and really, more to your point, you know, sometimes I need to be talked off the ledge in conversations that I have with, you know, my parents, my wife. You know, you have to remind yourself that this too will pass. And there's going to be a, a point where we can leave our homes and go to the ballpark and uh, go to the beaches and and really enjoy things the way that we normally do. And I think it's important for the hooks, and it's one of the priorities that, that we have kind of set out for ourselves, not only to help the community during this crisis, but also be that rallying point when the fog lifts. Absolutely. And part of our job, like the way that I look at it when we come to, to work every day is that you know, we are a, a community service. Like the Waterburger Field is a community park. It's a, a ta- it was a taxpayer-funded facility. Whenever it was built, it was something that the city said we want to have this thing. And so, it's our job to provide a space and to provide um, a community service for the people of the Coastal Bend. And so, whenever we get to the other side of this, we you know we want to be a place that physically people can come and do that, but we also want to be uh, a place online and on social media that they can go to support other local businesses. They can go to support each other. Um, the same way that this community rallied around uh, the response to Hurricane Harvey and, no and the way that happened, you know, I, I'm proud of the work that the Hooks did and um, hope that we can kind of continue that through this as well. All right. So for all the all the questions, we encourage uh, folks to, to reach out to the Hooks at Whataburger Field. Whataburger Field is closed. We're all working remotely, but you can call us at 361-561-HOOK. Also, stay tuned to all of our, our social media uh, channels, the Facebook, the Twitter, the Instagram, it, TikTok. Is that, are we still on TikTok, JD? Is that a we, thing? We have a couple of videos on TikTok. Um, if you have, I would say here across social media, if you have things that you're like, hey, why the hook should do something like this, or um, I want to see, you know, I want to see more highlights like this or anything, send those, those requests in. We'd love to get some feedback. We've got a, a schedule that we've already built for the next few weeks that we think are going to be really fun and really engaging and really exciting for fans. Um, but we love that feedback too. And if you're like, hey, this is boring, you know, let's do something else. Let's get more fan engagement. Throw those ideas out there. You know, the, our, our social media is not a one-way feed. It's not us talking to you. It's a community. It's it's a, a place for us to have a conversation with fans. So definitely get in the comments, send us a message. We'd, uh, we'd love to get your feedback on everything. Hooks Director of Marketing, J.D. Davis. Uh, J.D., excellent work to uh, start us off for the, the Hooks uh, Baseball Podcast. How many of these should we do this like four times a week? Once a what? What should we do? Do you have any idea? I, I think I think once a week is probably enough. Yeah, Michael that's Coffin. Enough. That's for, definitely enough for the you know average uh, average listener out there. Um, if if people want to hear more, they you just want to give them your phone number. They sure. can just call you in and you'll you'll do your own. Four zero nine eight nine three Sweet Lips <laughs> is the uh, is the number. That may be too many digits. I'm not sure. Possibly. Well, J.D., thanks for the time, and and let's do this uh, next week, man. Sounds great. Thanks. Next up, we have a very special guest, the new manager of the Corpus Christi Hooks, Gregorio Petit. Uh, The 35-year-old is the eighth manager in the 16-year history of Hooks baseball. Had a a 17-year career in the pros, a slick-fielding infielder. uh, Had also six big league seasons under his belt with the A's, the Astros, the Yankees, the Angels, and the Twins a former Texas leaguer, a member of the the Midland Rockhounds, and we are pleased to welcome him today. Gregorio, thanks for joining us, sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, Listening to you just now, it made me realize that uh, the team is, what, 16 years old? 16 years old, that's right. 16, so I play one more year than... <laughs> that you, the team is being, you've been the around team actually in the league. You've been around, but you know you're still kind of a, a a phenom, if you will. 35 years old, that's my age in full disclosure, and yet you're a a, a double A skipper. That's that's quite an accomplishment, my man. Well, uh, I'm happy. Then uh, I got the opportunity to to join 
the Astros organization and then be part of the Corpus Christi Hooks, being my first season as a skipper, like you said. Uh, excited to to start, even more excited now with all this situation going on, because uh, I I had it for like I was so close to start and then everything I went. Know. You know the way it went. So cruel, right? Uh, I, I guess my my first question is, you know, what what are you up to right now? How are you feeling your time? Well, uh, the first week I got I got home on the on Sunday the fourteenth, I believe. Uh, so I've been here for a week. That first week, I basically just enjoyed my family the most, doing basically nothing. Uh, just being part of being home after a month in spring training. So being away and then got back to it, got back to my house. It was kind of, you know, it was it was fun. It was good. It was a great feeling being back with my wife and kids. Uh, then this week, we started, you know, moving around a little more. Uh, even even last week, we, you know, I started playing. I was playing basketball with my, my two boys outside for a little bit, trying to make sure he doesn't which is the toughest part, just to make sure no kids come to play with him. Sure. They got a nice group of kids here. They play together every day. And, you know, it's sad for me to tell them not to come, not to play. But when they see me, they kind of stay away a little bit. And uh, that's <laughs> the best way for me to protect my my child and protect them, even even protecting them from me. Sure. You're, so you're willing I, to be I the travel, bad guy. I travel – just a week ago, and and if we if we do the math, they say you're not you're not completely of the of this virus for like 14 days is when you're gonna show some symptoms. So I I still a little worry about if you know if if I got something going on, I still haven't feel anything, but it's in the back of my head that I took an airplane to came to, to came home. Right, that's just kind of the nature of uh, of your business. Correct, and also I have to be the best citizen I can to make sure if I if I have something going on, I don't want to I don't want to be the one spreading that to the other kids that come to play with my son. Because uh, my my family, if I have it, they're gonna have it. They're gonna get it. I, we can't we can't prevent that, uh, but I can prevent spreading it to others, and that's that's basically what I was doing by going outside to play with him just to make sure it's only us. And then we start going bike rides, uh, trying to get them out of the house so they don't freak out because if they freak out, they, if they start getting angry or uh, upset about being in the house all day, every day, then everything is just going to be miserable. Oh, no doubt. Explain a kid and they, they, they know, they understand the words, they understand what you're saying, but they just don't accept it because they're kids and they want to be outside. They want to play, and uh, and you gotta understand that too. So I gotta I gotta become a child. I gotta become a kid just to make sure I I I I join them and then they forget a little bit about not being with their friends. They're happy to be with their dad because I'm never around that much. Sure, this is a this is a great opportunity uh, for you guys. Card. I'm playing that card right now. <laughs> no, I'm I'm with you and. You know, just we, 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 you and I met in spring training a couple of weeks ago, and just by seeing how you interact with other people, your big smile, it, it's not hard for me to imagine you acting like a kid, right? I mean, big time. I, I, I'm still, I, I'm still a loose kid. I haven't grown up, and I don't want to, to be honest. I, I want, I want to stay as young as I can mentally. I, I I know I, I have to be mature in some places. You know I I'm gonna behave. I'm gonna think the, the right way, but at the same time I just want if I stay young and I'm I'm gonna enjoy this game the way I did when I was playing, uh, and I want to do the same as a, as a as a coach as a skipper because I'm even when I'm gonna be manager I'm gonna be surrounded by the the oldest might be 25 years old 24 right. and that's it. That's in our uh, organization, we don't have, you know, we have the youngest triple A team. I have to stay young mentally so I can, you know, I can, I can enjoy. I can enjoy the ride, and I don't get, I don't get caught up on. Oh my God, what's this kid doing and all that? I, I just want to be part of it. Take us back to when, when, when camp was suspended. 
what were what was kind of running through your thoughts at the time? I mean, you, there's a lot of stuff you have to think about, obviously for baseball, but all, also logistically as well, right? Right. Uh, at the beginning, you know, they I was asked if I want to go home or or when I want to go home. Better said. Um, but I wasn't sure if I want to go home because I didn't know for how long this was going to last. If this was going to be a short, you know, stop, a short pause, I didn't want to come home, taking a chance to get on the plane. No doubt. Get this virus in me and then put it on my family. Uh, but then we don't know. We still don't know what's going to happen or when are we going to be back to it. So I just choose uh, to come home. If I had my car, I would have drive, but I didn't have my car. Uh, just to stay away from people, but... Um, I called my wife. She didn't want me to come home either. She was a little. She, even when she wants to see me, she was more worried about me getting this virus in me and then bringing home to our kids. We were willing to sacrifice not being together, but for the health of our family. Uh, especially uh, her uh, parents live with us which means that older people, they're in the 60s. So, uh, you know, it, it can be a little more risky for them than, than it's going to be for us. And then I just, I just came here. I just came here, and I, uh, at the beginning, I was, again, at the beginning, I was a little upset about just being a little selfish, if you want to put it that way, because I just had baseball back in me, you know, back <laughs> – and I go like, what's going on? I just want, I just want to stay on the field. I just want to do my thing. I just want to get to this. I, uh, I'm excited. I, I'm excited to get the season going. You know, we talk about it over there. How, how excited I was. Absolutely. I still am, and um, and then he was taken away again. We're chatting with Hooks manager Gregorio Petit. Gregorio, did you have a chance to talk to some of the guys before you left Palm Beach? And if so, what was your message to to those players? I didn't get a chance to talk to the players at all because I was, I was supposed that that was the part that upset me the more. I didn't even get to know my whole group, or at least the whole group that might have a chance to be with me. My early camp only what they were only like a day in right before before spring training was suspended. Is that right? Not not even because position players were supposed to do their uh, physicals on Friday. And then that's when everything went, got suspended. So everything got suspended. We didn't even, I was supposed to join them on Saturday and they were sent home on Saturday. Everybody was going back home on Saturday. So I didn't even get to know the guys. I, you know, I met, I met a few of them by walking around and by seeing them and me trying just to see the guys that might go with me, I don't want that first uh, meeting or first chat we have being the, just the first time we talk. Uh, I, I was trying to meet the guys and, you know, present myself to, to, to those guys. and then, But I didn't get a chance. I didn't get a chance to talk to them about nothing. Nothing as a group. Well, just a year removed from your playing days, uh, you have an idea of what it takes to get ready for a big league season, for any season for that matter. What's, uh, what, are, what, what do you think some of the guys are, are having to do right now just to stay you know, halfway fully in shape to be ready to answer the bell when, when the time comes? I think the toughest part for us is we got to watch our diet because we're not burning the same calories than we do when we play. Because you can train all you want, but the – there is a big fact, a big factor that it increases the calories we burn, and it's going to be the adrenaline during the game. Uh, so now we we train it, but we have to like really, really, really work to make sure we burn all those calories. So if you if you want to, you know, eat the way you do when you in the season, then you got to work the same you do when you are in the season but you know how hard is that when you nowadays that you can't even go to the gym you got to do everything at home 
So it's no way, it's no way you're gonna be even close to it. So for me, those guys that we have a treadmill at home, they will have to use it, make sure that their legs are in shape. I think that's. You that sound like my big. wife, Gregorio. What's up with that? <laughs> oh man, trust me, I, I I got my own program now with my wife too because uh, I gotta watch my diet too. <laughs> Uh, I think the hardest part for 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 us when we were when I was playing for me keeping my legs like in rhythm. Not only you no know, because you know how to walk, you know how to jog, but then you got to run, and it's not the same. When you're competing at that level, it's not just running; it's like really running, and then the 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 the, the throwing part. I think that's the one that's going to be more effective. If you don't have a space to to throw, if you have nobody to play catch with, it's going to be a challenge for those guys. But I'm pretty sure they're all taking care of that. I'm pretty sure the uh, for the like for the position players, minor league, minor league guys. I think they're just pushing a little more. You know, same thing they were doing in the offseason. They don't have to to go from where they were back to. At the beginning to build up again. They they just they're probably keeping the same routine they were doing, just to make sure they get back uh, to spring training the, the way they were. Uh, but man, I, I don't know. I, that's a tough that's a tough situation for for them. If I'm if I'm selfish again, I'm I'm happy. I just have to do signs and talk <laughs> and write well, and write the lineup. <laughs> well, so uh, but this is situation right now for for. Those pro athletes to stay in the in the best shape possible to com- to compete. Meanwhile, you're trying to get in shape in terms of your first coaching gig, first managerial assignment, and you mentioned getting the 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 call right to Double A. Uh, who are some of the folks that you're talking to for for advice, perhaps on on being able to make that transition from you know the infield to the bench? I spoke to Henry Blanco, who's the bullpen catcher. I mean, bullpen coach for the Nationals. Uh, I spoke to Carlos Mendez, the hitting coach, triple-A hitting coach for the Braves. I spoke to Omar Vizquel. I think everybody knows him. Uh, I spoke. I spoke to to Omar Lopez. I spoke to him. Man, there were so many guys I called. Man, there's there so many people. But those were the first people I talked. And Omar was just, you know, there with me. And every time I have a question, I will, he will give me an advice. If if you could boil down kind of what those guys were telling you in terms of, you know, what your priorities are when you address the team and, 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 and getting off to a good start, not only performance-wise, but interacting with those guys. What are some of the common themes, common qualities of the advice that you got from all those different all those different guys? They all say I was going to be fine. They all say I have the personality to be a manager. They all say to keep being myself. Don't try to do anything that you're not. They all say relationship is the most important part. Sure. They say that you gotta you gotta create that relationship with your players and honesty. If they if they believe in you, they trust you, they they run to a wall for you. Uh, but if you don't have that, they they just won't. And you know they 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 basically told me. That, also, they they say you you were a player, you know the same thing you were looking for when you were a manager. Now you just gotta be that guy and simple. Speaking with the Hooks manager Gregorio Petit Hefe, before we let you go, I want to ask you about your staff here in Corpus Christi. Uh, we got two guys coming back: pitching coach Graham Johnson and our athletic trainer Christian Bermudez. Uh, also, we have uh, hitting coach Jason Kanzler, uh, development coach Sean Canole, and then our strength guy is is Mike Myers. You had a chance to meet those guys uh, this spring training. What was your impression of, of the group as a collective? Great. Amazing. I love them. Uh, awesome guys. They all had a big smile every day I saw them when they were not so concentrated on what they're doing. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. When you're working, yes, you, you, you get so lucky sometimes you're not smiling. But then when you know when you get a little break, they all got that having fun part in them and that's the part I love the most. That's the part I want the most because this one is too long. Even this one, we don't know how long it's going to be, what's going to happen, but still, it's an everyday situation, everyday routine that would you get to be with the same guy for a full season. So if they like to have that kind of personality where they're happy, when they're enjoying, they're enjoying what they're doing, 
I think uh, we're going to be we're going to have a great a great group. Well, I'll tell you what, Gregorio. I, speaking for the fans uh, at Whataburger Field and the the Hooks fans in general, uh, we are very much excited to have you guys uh, in town, and we look forward to opening day uh, whenever that might be. Uh, Hooks manager Gregorio Petit. Gregorio, thank you again very much for taking the time to join us. Anytime, anytime. Uh, it's my pleasure being able to chat with you, being able to. To, to speak to the people of Corpus Christi, I'm excited. We can't wait uh, to get there and you know start this going and try to bring that uh, trophy. Shifting gears to title-worthy reporting. Up next, a familiar name for Astros fans. Brian McTaggart is with us. Tags in his 17th season as beat reporter for the Astros, including the last 12 with MLB.com. Brian, thanks for joining us, man. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh... You know, we should be better if uh, we had a real opening day and some and some real games to talk about. But uh, all things considered, hanging in there. How surreal of an experience is this for you? Yeah, it's weird. You know, I actually had left spring training to go home for a few days, sort of like a, a little scheduled break for five days. And I think I was home two days when um, we got word that they, they were canceling the games. And, and then you're like, well, am I going to go back? And then, you know, then you find out you're not going back and uh, – and then the season's pushed back two weeks and eight weeks and and seems like a long time because it is a long time and especially this week when you know they would have been back at minute may playing games and opening day would have been tomorrow um yeah it's just it's it's really weird i don't you know mlb's got some games are going to run on opening day thursday some classic games but you know that'll that'll fill a little bit of a void but uh you know nothing you know nothing like opening day it's a national holiday and to kind of have all that canceled is, is definitely surreal and but, you know, got to gotta do what you got to do, and, you know, hopefully they can get the season going sooner than later. I was uh, actually in spring training when they started to uh, close off the clubhouses, and they had the, uh, you know, you'd have the media in a separate room, and the guys would come out and talk to the media outside of the clubhouse environment. And uh, even then, I mean, I you know, I, I guess I just did not – see this coming i mean i knew that the 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 novel coronavirus was an issue and i knew it would be impactful in some way uh but this just kind of blindsided me personally i I wonder did you anticipate something like this happening no not at all because you know go back years it seems like there's always some kind of uh you know virus out there that you know you you kind of have to pay attention to on tv ebola or sars or or something going around and and i kind of got the same feeling about the coronavirus and then there were probably a week or two in a camp there were a couple of reporters that would ask questions about it you know to the Astros and I'm like why are we even worrying about this it's not going to be an issue <laughs> I guess maybe they you know had some good uh, foresight because a couple of weeks later we're shutting the whole thing down yeah. yeah I mean I had no idea it was even even after they said they're going to postpone the season a couple of weeks so I was like okay well that's not bad they can come back to Florida and you know finish up you know keep spring training going and then and be ready to go in, you know, April 9th. That's, you know, not the end of the world. They can make up those games. And then the CDC says eight weeks. And now you look at the calendar, you're in, you're in summer. And, uh, you know, how do you uh, how do you make up these games? And I guess that's what they're trying to work through right now is, is formulate a plan when they do come back and do start the regular season. You know, how are they going to do it? With uh, how many games do they play? What, what will the schedule look like? And you have all other – a lot of other factors to consider with players paid and their service time and, and you know then you got the minor leagues and things like that so there's some a, a massive amount of things they have to work through speaking with uh, Brian McTaggart of MLB.com do you have a sense as to, to how long the ramp up will be uh, for the guys to get ready for opening day at the big league level I get the sense it'll be a couple of weeks I mean they're gonna have to move pretty fast I mean that you know the hitters will be ready to go you know that I mean after a couple of weeks of spring training they want to get out of there Pitchers is another thing because it is a progression. They do have to build up their arm strength and their pitch count. And we got to the point in spring training where they had done, you know, two, maybe three starts for some guys, but most, most of the starters had, had thrown two starts. So that's, you know, 50 pitches, three innings. So you're not really even close to where you need to be. Is it around five they want the, the starters, you know, per se, in terms of outings for spring? Is that about right? Innings, yeah, it's Six innings, 100 pitches towards the end, that's probably ideal. So, But like five outings, somewhere around there. Yeah, oh, five, yeah, probably, yeah, five outings, I would say. So, yeah, they, so they were three outings short. So, so they're not close to where they need to be. So they're going to have to get built up, but they won't be able probably to get up to the six or, or seven inning range. So, and, and that's why I think we'll see some expanded rosters beyond the 26 man that they were already going to have this year. I, I think we'll see 
you know, maybe uh, two or three other spots added to the rosters. That way you can carry extra pitchers just so, you know, the starters, when they go three or four innings, you're able to cover those other innings without killing your pitching staff. I mean, are we talking about extra spring training games? How do, how do you see they're, they're going to execute this? Yeah, um, you know, I think what they're leaning towards is just teams having workouts at their own stadiums, not going back to Florida and Arizona and, and convening these big, big, you know, spring training operations and, and all that, and, and, you know, playing inter-squad games. You know, you got 50, 60 guys in camp. You, you, you know, you just have to make the best of it. Um, and I think that'll be, you know, like I said, enough for the hitters. The pitchers are going to have to do. But I think baseball wants, when it's time, to get the regular season going as quickly as possible. So if you eliminate the travel to and from Arizona and the games and you just have the players working out in a controlled environment at Minute Maid, um, then maybe they can ramp up a little quicker and get this season going because, you know, they're committed to playing as many regular season games as they can. If they can get in at least 100, if they start, let's say they start in mid-June, they get in 100 games, you know, I think that's a, a pretty good target at this point. You're going to have to play some doubleheaders. I know there's talk of extending the season into October, maybe November, expanding the playoffs so you kind of make up for some of that revenue you're losing with all the regular season games that aren't going to be made up. Um, but it's certainly going to be something we haven't seen before in baseball. I could see teams working out at their own stadiums instead of going to spring training and, and practicing with other teams. Brian McTaggart of MLB.com is uh, joining us. Can you tell us what some of the Astros players are, are doing as they're handling this 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 downtime? We're seeing some on social media, but I imagine there's a contingent in Houston, a f- few folks still in West Palm, and then you have folks uh, around the country. Yeah, I'm just like everybody else, sort of keeping up on, on social media with, with what players are doing. I know, uh, you know, Bregman and uh, Presley were playing catch on the street in Houston the other day. Um, I know someone like Joe Smith, who lives in, in Ohio, was, was wanting to stay in Florida as long as he can to take advantage of the weather, and there's probably some other Makes guys sense. like that. And there's probably some other guys spread out around the country, back in their homes, home, wherever they live, because there are no formal workouts. But it's got to be weird because – you know, they were, they went from playing in games and probably, you know, within a couple of weeks away of being ready to play in big league games to hitting the pause button and having nothing. So, you know, like I always say, I mean, I, I think for the hitters, you know, they can go in a cage and, and, and take their hundred hacks a day or however many they do and go outside and play catch. And, you know, nothing duplicates the game action. And, you know, maybe they get that with some inner squad games, but I think everyone's just spread out, probably trying to I'm sure the team is probably, even though there's no formal workouts, has probably sent out a, a plan for everybody on, on what they need to do during this time to make sure they're in proper physical condition and baseball condition when, when, uh, whenever we get the, the call that they can go back on the field and start doing organized team activities whenever that is. Well, it's certainly been tragic. And, I mean, you can use all the adjectives you want about the pandemic and how it's gripping uh, the world and everything is, is grinding to a halt. But there is a, a silver lining, particularly for the Astros. You have a few notable injuries, and, of course, uh, innings limit was a big topic of conversation in spring training. How can the Astros benefit from a few games being lopped off the calendar or the season pushed back a little bit? Yeah, no doubt about that. With, uh, you know, starts with Justin Verlander, who had, you know, groin surgery last week, and, you know, he was facing, uh, I believe it was a six-week rehab six to eight week rehab, which of course would have put him out for the first third of the season. He was looking to make his 12th opening day start of his career. And, you know, after he had the, the uh, he, he had the lat injury, which, you know, led to the groin injury. He said that it would take a miracle to pitch opening day. And not that, not that what we have pandemic is a miracle, but um, it certainly looks like, you know, he would have enough time to, uh, you know, heal the injury, rehab, get back on the mound you know, possibly start for the Astros on this opening day, whenever it is, you know, maybe in June. And yeah, McCullers too, you know, we know he was probably going to be on a, on a pitch limit considering he missed all of last season following Tommy John surgery. I know the previous, the previous uh, GM and uh, manager, AJ Hinch and Jeff Luno had targeted around 120 innings for Lance. Now, if you know Lance, he's, he's, he's he wants to blow past that and throw 200 <laughs> innings, but we all know that wasn't going to happen. So you know, this this could be a, a good thing for him to where he could pitch five or six innings a start every fifth day without having to worry about blowing past, uh, you know, this uh, artificial innings limit because of his arm and still be ready for the playoffs. And then Jordan Alvarez has been dealing with some knee issues. Now he dealt with, he must have dealt with those all offseason because he came into spring training with them as well. So, you know, maybe the trainers can get a, a better look at him now and, and try to work him through his knee problems over the next few weeks and get him ready for the start of the season. So, yeah, to have your ace pitcher out eight weeks and then you 
might not miss him uh, any time at all, considering the season's pushed back. Yeah, if you're looking for silver linings for the Astros, that's a big one. That's incredible, uh, tactically speaking. Uh, a, a big topic of conversation as well during spring training for the Astros was the back end of that rotation. And it seemed like to me, looking at the box scores and, and kind of getting a read on what folks were saying uh, from you know the different articles and whatnot, that, that really Framber Valdez and, and Josh James put their best foot forward uh, during spring training. What was your observation with those guys? Yeah, absolutely, Michael. Uh, you know, Valdez was, was throwing strikes, and we know that's the key for him is if he can just, you know, quit walking guys. He's got some really good stuff. I mean, Mike, Dustin Garneau if it was a teammate of Mike Trout last year and, you know, told me that Mike Trout told him he's got some of the nastiest stuff yeah. he's seen. He's just got to throw strikes. So, for the most part, I think we'd seen him do that, and he knows that, and that's what he worked on every start. So, that was a positive development. Josh James was a guy for me that was really intriguing because – he, uh, you know, has a chance now to be a starter. He, he's working on his mechanics. He talked about being more linear to the plate, sort of going from the rubber to uh, home plate, you know, as fluidly as he can. And, you know, he's a, he's a bigger guy. So, he, you know, he had, he had taken some direction from Garrett Cole how to do that. Um, but he's also, a, you know, he's got a bigger lower body than Cole. So there's going to be some, you know, rotational stuff going on there. But he had looked really good. You know, maybe not throwing as hard. You know, we hadn't. We saw him in the mid to you know 95 to 97, and instead of the, the 100 mile an hour stuff, it's still there. You know, he doesn't need to throw 100 every time if he's going to be a starter. I mean, look what look what Garrett Cole does, sure. and when Cole needed to dial it up, you know, he did. So, I thought he looked really good, um, and I was I was really anxious to see his you know final three four starts of the spring to see if he could keep it up. Um, and towards the end of spring, you know, Brian Abreu yeah. sort of snuck in there as well. I know they want him to be a starter long term. But, you know, he's such a captivating arm with what he can do that, uh, you know, he, he, you think he can be in your bullpen. But, um, you know, there was some belief that, hey, maybe let him compete now for that starter spot. So and then you have Austin Pruitt as well. And, you know, a, a con- kind of the opposite of Framber, just a control pitcher who maybe throws too many strikes, you know, maybe get him out of the zone and get guys to chase. So um, I thought that was going to be a really fascinating race to watch and so how would how that transpire if they just get together for a couple of weeks at minute Maid, how do you decide who gets that spot that's tough it's that's be a really tough, tough call you mentioned the the starting rotation uh, brian and you mentioned brian abreu he was a guy who obviously had a big impact for the hooks last year pitching was the story for the corpus christi hooks last year including jose or kitty the hooks opening day starter can you put into context the type of impact that Orkitty had on the Astros and the fact that he essentially came out of nowhere. Yeah, it came out of nowhere. Even, you know, it changed names. People are like, I've never heard of Jose Urquidy. Well, he, he wasn't going to by that name last year. <laughs> yeah, and even, you know, once he made his big league debut and was pitching well, you kept hearing that, okay, well, they're going to have to shut him down because, again, a guy who, who had not too long ago had Tommy John surgery. So, he was sort of on this innings limit, but you know, at some point they had no, 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 uh, no other option. They had to keep pushing him, and he just answered the bell over and over. And of course, Game Four of the World Series, um, you know, everybody knew his name at that point with yeah. five scoreless innings. And so, yeah, he comes. You know, he came in the camp sort of with a rotation spot locked up, as you know, as long as he, you know, really didn't, uh, you know, mess it up. And and he had, he looked pretty good in in the spring so far. I think we only got a, a couple of looks at him, but yeah, just uh, you know, a guy nobody heard, and all of a sudden he's pitching in the World Series and pitching well, and getting invited to meet with the Mexican president, um, you know, a native of Mexico, pitching in the World Series. I think he's one of only only two guys to have done that. Too. So, yeah, made a name for himself, but you know, it's just the start of a career. So he, you know, he's got to build on it and, and build on what he did last year and. Um, what he did in the World Series, and you know, I, you know, you probably you got to know him pretty well, as you know, I have. Yeah, great over the guy. Year, so just uh, a kid you really pull for, just a very good, hardworking, good guy who uh, you know is taking advantage of every opportunity he gets. Uh, it's it's really cool. I mean, you got a guy that, that starts the year at Double A and then winds up winning a game uh, that he started during the World Series. Uh, you love to to follow those guys and root for them. In terms of surprises on the field this spring from the Astros, who stood out to you that maybe you didn't expect when games began there in West Palm Beach, if anybody? Yeah, well, I, I think Miles Straw had certainly put himself on a spot, I think, to make a run at making the club, um, you know, depending on how the roster composition was going to be. I mean, you can pretty much look at the team and, and almost pick your 13 position players just on who was coming back and, you know, what, you know, it would have been hard for straw to crack that group, but regardless, you know, he, he's going to play in the, in the big leagues at some point again in 2020, and then could be a, you know, a starter in 2021, when they, you know, the outfield kind of opens up, but 
he was hitting the ball. He was pulling the ball more, hitting the ball harder. You know, we saw that with a couple of home runs. Also had an inside the park home run. We know he can run. Um, you know, I think he played, I think the last game of the spring, he was uh, at second base. Um, so I know they were trying to, he had played shortstop last year. They were trying to get him to play some second. So I think he had positioned himself pretty well. And a guy that got sent down just before um, we were all sent home from Florida was Taylor Jones. And I remember asking yeah. a couple of the veteran players, um, Josh Reddick was one of them who, who stood out, who impressed them in spring camp. And, and Taylor Jones came, Taylor Jones name came up. He came up a couple other times too, just being a bigger guy, but how well he moves and, and how he'd sort of developed this, this power stroke. And, uh, you know, Reddick was, uh, Reddick was pretty impressed by him and, and George Springer as well. And, you know, he, his time is not now, but, uh, you know, it could be coming soon. Yuli Gurriel could be gone after this year and there could be, a chance at first base for Taylor Jones. So those are the two guys as far as position players I thought had, had you know, bumped up their stock quite a bit. Tags, uh, before we let you go, we were just talking to Gregorio Petit, uh, the uh, new Hooks manager, former big leaguer, played with the Astros back in 14, a guy that you covered. One thing that stood out to me is this this guy's always smiling. What are your impressions of Gregorio? Yeah, I was excited when I read the release that he got hired because my, you know, interactions with him in 2014, you know, he was sort of a fringe player, a utility player. We're always really good. He, he was very happy to be in the big leagues, happy to just have a chance. And now there were a lot of guys on those 13 and 14 Astros that were like that. I mean, they got rid, they got rid of pretty much every veteran very player true. at value because they were rebuilding. So you had rosters full of guys who were happy just to have a shot, and he was one of them. And you know, he made the most of it and went on to play for the Yankees. And, you know, he you know had a decent little big league career. But, you know, to see his name pop up as a manager, I was like, man, I really like this. And, you know, lo and behold, the first day of spring training, he comes right up to me with that right hand and <laughs> remembered me from six years earlier. And, uh, you know, every time I see him, he'll stop and talk to me. So, um, you know, very, very, very good to have a guy like that at, at that level in double A when, when some guys are making, you know, a big jump from class A ball and, yeah, bilingual, uh, you know, obviously will always be always help with, uh, you know, the guys coming through there. So, yeah, I was uh, very excited to, to see to see him in Corpus and 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 I'm sure you'll get to enjoy him all year or however many games they play when we finally get going. Hopefully it's a good chunk. So with Petit at the helm, can we can we guarantee a Brian McTaggart visit to Whataburger Field in 2020? I won't go on the record because if they're having a, if the Astros are playing a couple of double headers a week. <laughs> be hard to peel and they get rid of the off days it's going to get hard to peel away there to go down to corpus but uh yeah i always enjoy going down there and i'll uh you know i'm certainly going to try to try to make it down there and uh you know see some of the the next wave coming through because i know the minor league system has been stripped pretty thin with the, the trades that have been made the last few years but you know there are some talented guys coming up and, and coming through and uh you know, some guys hit Corpus, and then they're in the big leagues, like you know, Arcidi, like you said, and even you know, years before that, J.D. Martinez and Altuve go right from Double A to the big leagues. So, uh, it's a good come down and see those guys. Houston Cougar and writer for MLB.com, Brian McTaggart. Tags, thanks for joining us, man. No problem, Michael. We'll see you down in Corpus, hopefully. Our next guest is Texas A&M Corpus Christi's Director of Career Services, Dr. Leslie Mills. Dr. Mills, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Dr. Mills, our focus right now is on the health of our families, our, our neighbors, as we try and mitigate uh, the effects and the dangers of COVID-19. Uh, but with that, with the proper precautions, uh, our lifestyles, our, our lives are grinding to a halt, uh, and, and rightfully so. This pandemic is creating a crisis for many with regards to their employment. I read uh, as we record this interview that uh, last week alone, 3 million uh, U.S. workers filed for unemployment. Can you put into context the challenges that this pandemic is creating in terms of uh, barriers and obstacles for people who need to go to work? Well, I definitely think this is something, unlike any other um, market slowdown or just economy slowdown, this is something like we've never probably experienced before in the United States, at least in most of our um, lifetimes, at least. And so I think it's just important for employees to remember that, first of all, that it's normal to grieve the loss of a job if you're laid off, um, that many of this is going to be temporary, that as things um, begin to pick back up, we do have some employers who are still out there hiring. It doesn't mean completely the employers have stopped the hiring process. Um, I think there's some important steps if employees are laid off that they can think through, um, first of all, 
thinking about getting maybe a letter of recommendation from a supervisor can be helpful or asking a supervisor if they can serve as a reference. Um, I think it's important for individuals to remember that they were likely not let go because of performance, but due to financial constraints. And so um, being able to ask that employer for that letter of recommendation or that reference is going to be important. Chatting with Dr. Leslie Mills of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you mentioned that uh, some employers are still accepting applications and building up their workforce. Obviously, you have these essential jobs that, that need to be done. Uh, and you have young people entering the workforce at this time, many uh, graduates uh, from the Island University. Uh, what's your advice for that group as, as they look for work? I think the important thing is to continue your search. Um, companies, like I said, are still hiring. They may have altered some of their original timelines that they had and possibly even the methods of interviewing. Many are moving to virtual interviewing right now so they can keep the process going. But I don't think it's a time to just kind of halt everything. It's a good time to begin networking with employers, reaching out via things like LinkedIn, um, virtual chat tools and things like that that you can begin to talk to employers is gonna be important because again, I think that communication piece, keeping that open, is going to be crucial during this time so that when things do pick back up, they're ready, ready to jump in and, and apply for those jobs. Chatting with Dr. Leslie Mills of Texas A&M Corpus Christi, uh, a, a trend, and you mentioned it earlier, the, the digital interviews, and that's something that we employ with the Hooks Baseball Club when we're uh, starting you know, our rounds of, of gathering folks for different types of jobs. But in my experience, they're very tricky because it's tough to read the person on the other end. What, what are some of the, the, the tips that you have for uh, folks who are looking for jobs that are going through these digital channels in terms of presenting yourself and, and making the proper impression? Yeah, I think it's important to practice interviewing uh, virtually. So making sure that you're comfortable with the technology is important. You want to make sure you test your technology prior to the interview. Practice with a family member or a um, coworker or someone that you can practice with, a, a classmate or something. Make sure that your environment is free from distraction. I think when we are switching from our family mode into an interview at the same location, it's hard to kind of make that switch and transition. And so just giving yourself some time to disengage from, from your family or whoever you might be um, staying at home with at this time and um, really focusing on the interview that you're about to start and then making sure your location is free from distractions is important. And then just as in a face-to-face interview, body language is so important. You want to be familiar with where you're looking at on the camera when it comes to your virtual interview. You want to make sure you're still dressed professionally and that you're still showing your excitement and your enthusiasm through that virtual interview. It's really, really easy to um, get lost, like you said, in that virtual interview and to not get a good idea of who that person is. So just making sure that you can still see your um, enthusiasm, your excitement for the position in that virtual interview. Uh, your group is a tremendous resource for the students there uh, at Texas A&M Corpus Christi, as well as the, the recent graduates. What's the sense that you're getting from the students or the recent grads that you inter- you have interacted with as, as they are dealing with these challenging times? Are they holding up all right? I think I think students are, are making the transition to the online world, whether that be their courses or um, we are utilizing the virtual chat tools for a lot of our services at this time. So we are practicing interviewing virtually with students, practicing some phone interviews with students because phone interviews can also be tricky. I think students overall are holding up. They're they're just trying to navigate the new waters that we have in front of us and and learning how to use some of that new technology. And I always tell them to, to use this as an opportunity to talk to an employer about a time they had to overcome a challenge or how they problem solved because that's definitely what they're going through during this time period. Well, this is an excellent lesson as well because the digital infrastructure is, is really being used by pretty much every company around the, the world, well, especially in this country, uh, is using digital tools to operate their business. And you have a tremendous amount of support systems that are in place that uh, workers are working hard at to make sure that we continue to have these functions. Yes, exactly. I think I think this is the time for students to really shine and show that they are learning to new technology programs. Really be thinking, I encourage our students to, and, uh, and anyone out there to be thinking about the new tools you're using and 
utilizing and engaging in, and definitely add those to your resume because this is an experience that, that you're going to be able to talk about to employers and add on to your resume as a challenge you overcame. And again, using some of this technology and software programs that you can also talk about on your resume. Speaking with Dr. Leslie Mills. Dr. Mills, before we let you go, any resources that you recommend for folks who have been recently laid off or, or furloughed? Definitely reaching out to Texas Workforce Commissions if you haven't already done so for unemployment benefits. I know that there are changes happen, happening regarding um, the COVID-19 pandemic um, for Texas Workforce Commissions. Uh, our resources here at the university are open. Our online resources are open to anyone in the community. So our website is career-services.tmucc.edu. And we have um, templates and, and things to use on our site in regards to res writing your resume and practicing your interviewing. And then also just utilizing things like LinkedIn to communicate with um, companies and employers out there. Dr. Leslie Mills of Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Dr. Mills, thank you again for your time. Thank you. Our broadcast continues today with Julia Cook-Kriegel, uh, the president of Oneta Corpus Christi, uh, serving uh, Pepsi-Cola, Everest Water, Bay Coffee, Sunrise Vending. Ms. Cook-Kriegel, thank you very much for joining us. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, I, I know this is a, a crazy time for, uh, for for you guys and really for everybody in the Coastal Bend. First and foremost, how is your, your staff holding up? You know, I think our staff is, is doing well. As you know, we're, we're used to, to working during emergencies, so we've got uh, procedures in place and have put some new procedures in due to the uniqueness of this emergency, you know, kind of get everybody to wash their hands and uh, just stay safe out there. Speaking with Julia Cook-Kriegel of Odetta Corpus Christi, everybody obviously is concerned about supplies, and it seems like toilet paper and water are the, the hottest commodity in town. Can you speak to the supply of Everest water? How are we looking in that department? You know, our Everest water that we manufacture here, the one in the five-gallon is doing great. We have plenty of supplies. Um, we, you know, we've been uh, making sure that everything is, is thoroughly sanitized back there, really, really extra good, and uh, last weekend, we did a Saturday run of uh, one-gallon water for Stripes Convenience Stores. Right now, the one-gallon and the 20-ounce and the half-liter that you see out there, the Aquafina that we also distribute in the Club Room, it's coming in. We just, unfortunately, because the whole country needs it all at once. Sure. It's not like a hurricane where we can get it all funneled to us. Right. Um, we have to uh, we have to be on an allocation, and we, we basically been selling as much as we're allocated every day. Well, and, and obviously it's, it's, it's always a chore to get products out to folks, but especially during these times, what are some of the challenges that you guys are encountering right now? Well, one of the big challenges is, of course, with our food service customers is, you know, they've had to, to switch to a um, to-go to or a drive-through only. That's one challenge. And just the unprecedented amount of demand, because we've never had this kind of demand that's been sustained for this long. So that has been a big challenge. Well, and, and we were talking offline a minute ago, you know, and I, I asked you the question, I'm like, does this remind you of anything? For me, I, I, I get the sense more of it, it's like a hurricane, but you you corrected me right away because you know when a hurricane is going to end, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the bottom line here. Right, yeah, we know when it's going to end. We know how to, how to get with our suppliers and get things funneled. There's emergency plans with suppliers in place to make sure we don't run out of bottled water leading up to a hurricane so everybody has their supplies. But this is different because it's, it's so long sustained. A hurricane, you have maybe a week or two of surge right before, at most. And then afterwards, we have everything staged. I mean, with Harvey, we had it staged. We didn't have any water shortage at our plant. It's just an, an incredible, and uh, we, I, we commend you guys for the work that you're doing to, to meet with this, uh, with this demand. What's your message to folks out there who are going out and, and buying a, a case of uh, Aquafina every single day, fearful that supplies will run out? What's your message to those, those uh, Corpus Christi residents? Well, that there's no need to worry about that. Supplies will not run out. And just take what you need for a day or two because it is coming in. We do get our water every day. It's just it's not we're not going to have enough for everybody in the city to go grab a case every day. So if everybody can just get just what they need, and um, there's no no worry about stores shutting down or us running out of water. 
and just to just stay calm and just get what you need. Leave some for your neighbor. That's what I believe HEB says. Julia Kukriegel, president of Oneta Corpus Christi. Julia, thank you very much for joining us, and uh, and best of luck to you guys as uh, as y'all navigate these waters. Thank you, and I'd also like to thank everybody that works at Oneta for all their dedication during this time. It's it's really above and beyond. That wraps up the opening salvo of the Hooks Baseball Podcast. Let us know what you think, what you want to hear next time. Look forward to your feedback. I want to thank our guest once again who joined us for this podcast, Gregorio Petit, Brian McTaggart, Dr. Leslie Mills, and Julia Cook-Kriegel. For J.D. Davis and all of us from 734 Eastport Avenue, this is Michael Coffin saying so long and thanks for listening to the Hooks Baseball Podcast. Podcast.